With the rise of social media and the proverbial fitness influencer, the world of fitness has become a noisy place. Don't eat this because of this one micronutrient and how it interacts with this other micronutrient. Do this program because it's the most optimal, but only if you've done these 10 things exactly the right time and the right way just before it. <laughs> the terms optimal and best have flooded digital media, confusing the masses who are quite frankly just looking to lose some body fat, gain some energy, and get in better shape. It's refreshing when a fitness professional is able to use their voice to cut through the minutia and provide practical tips for progression. Our guest today uses his platforms to teach simple, basic concepts and help people live long and healthy lives. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Joining me in the great land of Oberlin, Ohio, as always, the most interesting man that I know is W. Miles Riley. Welcome, Miles. Hey, Steve. Steve, Nate, how are you guys doing? Good. Well, I'm good. doing great. I'm just excited to be here with y'all. Uh, we are so excited. Uh, Nate Palmer is joining us today, and Nate is a coach, author, speaker, and the host of the Low Carb Hustle podcast. But Nate says none of that actually matters. What's important to you is that Nate is here with over 13 years of experience in helping thousands of people get leaner and live longer. He's going to share some of the most impactful strategies that will help you consistently improve your metrics and the, get results without marathon workouts and without tracking every single calorie. As a dad and business owner, Nate knows the importance of high ROI activities for our health and fitness. So everything that he's about to share today is going to be time tested and they're tested really with the busiest people of the world. Uh, Nate has had his work popularized in media outlets such as the Huffington Post, Testosterone Nation, Ask Men, Breaking Muscle, Stack Media, and Thrive Global. He's also, uh, we mentioned before, he's the host of the Low Carb Hustle podcast, and he has a mission to teach you how to get lean and turn your body fat uh, into a better focus so that you can live a long and healthy life. Hey, Palmer, we're excited to have you joining us today. Thanks for jumping on. That was like an extremely impressive intro. I'm like, I'm like excited to meet this guy now. He is a cool guy. He's got curly hair. All curly hair people are cool. And uh, we're, we're excited to have you. And I, we got to give a shout out at the beginning to our good friend, Casey Ruff. Uh, you know, we all know, Casey, you've been on his podcast a couple of times. And I actually had reached out to him uh, after your second episode. And I said, man, I love the energy that you guys both bring together. I think at the beginning of that episode that you did with him, uh, he said, Hey, we just got two guys that are going to bark at each other at high speed this entire time. And let's go. And it was like, a, uh, it was a sprint for a marathon distance, uh, the whole time. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. The, the energy you guys brought was amazing. There's a lot of words contained in that one podcast. I'm gonna say that Casey's the only guy I know who can talk faster than me. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you guys had uh, you 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 went pretty well with him. I mean, it was uh, it was quite <laughs> impressive. But uh, anyway, so shout out to Casey Ruff, uh, Balanced Body Radio. We've had him on a couple of times, and uh, I've been on his show uh, before. But uh, if you uh, after you finish this episode, go check out the episodes with Nate on the Balanced Body Radio. Uh, Nate, we're really excited to have you, and I've uh, you know followed your content, looked at the, some of the things that you do, and listened to you on those podcasts. And I really love the fact that you bring a lot of simplicity to what you teach people. Uh, what do you feel like is a unique um, talent or a, an ability that you bring to the health and fitness space? I really try to pride myself on cutting through a lot of the noise and cutting down on some of the misinformation. So, like like you were talking about in the intro, like. There's some people who are saying, hey, you shouldn't eat spinach because it's got anti-nutrients in it. It's got phytites and you have to, you have to really avoid that. And I think that once, once people get overloaded with that sort of minutia all the time, like I put a, like a, a post today talking about brown rice versus white rice, because obviously brown rice is healthier, right? I mean, like, like that's kind of like the, that's the perception in fitness, right? right? Brown rice, it's a slower carb, it's complex, whatever. But in reality, when you look at all this stuff, it doesn't matter. So I think the healthiest thing is to be like picking the thing that you're going to be able to eat longer term or what's going to work for you at like, not just today, not just the next three weeks when you're highly motivated, but six months, eight months, 18 months now, like down the road from here. And so if I can help people kind of cut through the noise and help them understand like that 80, 20 Pareto principle of, of what is actually important, what is going to get them results long-term, because I think that there's so much to be said about weight loss and like the stuff that's like the six day detox or the 10 day master cleanse or the three week, like whatever, like we don't talk about maintenance. We don't talk about sustainability because it's not sexy. It doesn't sell magazines. So right. if I can get people to understand that, like this, like what you're doing with your nutrition, your fitness, it just lays the building blocks for all the other things in your life that are actually important to you. Right. Most people are not passionate about the hip angle on a Romanian deadlift. They just couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> yeah. So if I can get them to understand that, Hey, just do it. Just do this. So you can actually go and be the dad you want to be, or like build the business you want to build or, or play the sport you want to play and actually have fun in your life. And just use this as kind of the foundational piece. Then it becomes easy to sustain. We're not having to like devote hundred percent of your mental and physical energy to fitness and nutrition, which most people couldn't, couldn't really care less about. But I think there's a lot uh, of integrity to that though. They, um, there, there's a lot of integrity to the, to the message that you're putting out there because you're really helping people to achieve what their ultimate goal is, which is living a better life. Right. And, uh, one of the biggest problems I've seen in the, uh, health and fitness space relative to digital media is people will use some sort of fear, uh, tactic to try and get people to follow them or listen to them. So don't eat this and this is horrible and this is garbage and this is crap. When the reality is that, people eat a wide variety of ways. I mean, there are, there are so many different ways to eat and be healthy. Um, you know, I tend to be fairly low carb and that works really well for me. But, uh, I know you mentioned on, uh, one of your episodes where you talk about that, uh, the quote unquote supplement that you tell people to take before they go to bed is carbohydrates, right? Uh, because people are going to sleep a little bit better. And I found that after going, uh, keto for about two years, uh, to test it out and see how my body would respond. I found my sleep was shit. And so as I started adding in carbohydrates before I would go to bed, now all of a sudden I'm sleeping like a log. I wake up and I can still, you know, remain in a fairly low carb space, feel great, but I have to eat a lot of carbs before I go to bed if I want to sleep really well. So I love how you're cutting through the minutia of what's out there. 
you do this on your podcast. You've done this through your book. What are some other ways that you are uh, able to cut through the minutia and give people just the realistic, practical application of this message? I've been having a lot of fun on Instagram Reels recently, and I'll throw those up on like YouTube or TikTok as well. But I really like the uh, I like the, the the sixty seconds or less form because mm. I can be quite verbose and I just love the sound of my own voice. So I'll just start rambling nice. and talking and then change topics completely. So I like having someone force me to be like, no, be succinct because that's not a strength of mine. So it's been fun. <laughs> that's cool, Miles. You had a question. Yeah, this this might um, knock us off track a little bit, but in this day and age of like you know this, I think I was reading this over. 5 million podcasts out there. You've got all this social media, you know, and you said, how do you, how do you not add to the noise when there's so much noise, which makes you almost noise? Yeah. How do people get to listen and say, what is there anything in particular that you do that people listen and, and can say, this is not noise. This sounds like something that's slightly above the noise. And I, I want to give this guy my attention. Anything in particular that you do? I really think that like the noisiest things, um, and I, I think back of myself, like so I've been in the I've been in the, the, the fitness space for like 13, 14 years. And when I was first coming in, I was a like a brand new, newly minted personal trainer. I was one of the noisiest people, like in the gym I was at, that sort of thing. And I knew so much about fitness, Miles. Like like my expertise was, I was like, I was a hundred out of a hundred. And then as I've gotten deeper and deeper into the profession, I realized I don't know that much until the point where I'm like, I don't know, it could be maybe. Yeah. So I yeah. just feel like the, the thing that I really rebel against the most is these day one evangelists or people who read an article somewhere and like start parroting all that information. They do keto for three days. It's like, Steve, what you said, I did keto for two years in this experiment. That's a dope experiment. Two years, the yeah. commitment to that is incredible. Like, I'm so interested in what you have to say. The person who's like, I'm on keto, it's day four, it's incredible. I'm like, don't talk to me. <laughs> like, miss me with all that shit until, yeah. until we can have a conversation. Show me, right. show up in six months, right? I got a lot of respect for a guy named um, Robert Sykes, the keto savage. Oh, yeah. He's been doing keto yeah. for seven years. Yeah. And so, like, when he talks about keto, I'm going to listen because he knows what he's talking about and he's been doing it. And he's been living it. So if there's something that I can bring Like, I don't know how to cut through the noise miles. Like I've been trying to become internet famous for a long time and it's just not working for me. But what I know that is <laughs> if I keep showing up day after day and putting out content and try and doing my best and trying to help people out authentically. And at the same time, actually living in my life in a way that reflects my beliefs and showcases, Hey, here's what's possible because I know that if I'm at a 70, like in terms of my health and, and fitness, I will never call anyone around me to be higher than a 69. Nice. But yeah. like, so like if, so if I run my life at a hundred, then people around me, I'm gonna, I'm allowed to have nineties, 98s, 99s around me, but I can't, I can't attract those people. And I can't sh showcase that that's even possible if I'm not showing up consistently for myself in those ways. So like the, I don't know how to cut through the noise, but I know that if I'm consistent, and I do this long enough, eventually the people who need to hear the message will hear the message. It's a great way to put it. I, I think it's that authenticity that really comes out in what you do. Because like you talked about before, you've got a, you got a lot of energy, you speak very uh, fast, and you're working through, uh, you, you know, how do you create these messages in a very succinct way? And at some point, it's going to connect with one person. And then 
two and then three and then five, right? And and obviously your messages have connected on a on a fairly significant level uh, because you are a uh, best-selling author of a book. Can you talk a little bit about your book and, and uh, what readers can expect if they were to pick this up? Yeah, so... Uh, back in 2014, I got, I got hit up by a magazine that was like, Hey, do you want to write a, an article? And I was like, you're going to pay me. They're like an exposure. And I was like, cool. Great. Nice. So I was, they're like, Hey, can you, can you write it? Not about fat loss and not about building muscle, which is like, I thought were the only two things you could talk about. They're like, but how do you eat for all day energy? And I was like, that's mm. interesting. So dove into that subject, read some studies, reached out to a few people who I really respected in the space. And what I found out really surprised me. So I wrote this article for a magazine called Breaking Muscle, and it did really well on the site. So I started eating like that as well. And at the time, I'm a personal trainer in Seattle. It's like 2014. And I start getting some of the best results of my life. It becomes very easy to for me to drop fat quickly. And I felt like I looked good and I, and I performed really well. I just felt really good all the time. I was like, man, there's got to be something to this. So I, I gave this to like four or five of my best clients. And I was like, try this out for a couple of weeks. Let me know what you guys think. And they start getting really good results. Um, like not only are they like feeling good, doing well at their jobs, but they're also getting lean faster. And I was a big fan of, I was a bodybuilder. Like, I mean, you can't tell that looking at me, but like bodybuilder mentality, right? In my head, I'm huge. <laughs> so am I. And so yeah. six meals yeah. a day, white rice, chicken, you know, same thing over and over again. And so the idea of eating less times per day and not really focusing on having a ton of carbohydrates until the PM, I was like, this is way different, but they started getting incredible results also. So then in 2018, uh, one of my friends in Arizona reached out to me, who's building a roofing business here. And he's like, man, I am dying. He's like, I'm on the road 12 hours a day. I eat fast food five times a week, I'm drinking four or five monsters. And when I get home, I got to lay on the couch and watch ESPN sports center for 30 minutes before I can even have a conversation with my wife or kids. I'm just dead. Wow. He's like, we'll work on the fat loss. I know I got some weight to lose. Like, I'm not going to work out. I just need some more energy. And I was like, all right, well, let's like, let's do this. And he's like, I am going to eat fast food five times a week. What do you got for me? So we put together this plan kind of based off of this, this style of eating called uh, low carb backloading. And two months later, he reaches back out and I'm like, Hey, how's everything going? He's like, it's great. My wife's noticed a huge difference. I feel really great on my kids now. Um, that like everything is like, I'm, I'm down to like three energy drinks a day. I was like, oh, cool. So like, are you ready to like get to the gym, work out, drop some weight? And he's like, well, that's the thing is I've dropped 22 pounds in the last two months. Wow. I was like, Ooh, well, we might be onto something here. So as I kind of went down that path, I was like, if this is, if this is by far the most effective, oh, and I forgot like the coolest thing he said wasn't any of that. He said, and it doesn't even feel like a diet. This is just how I'm eating now. I was that's like, perfect. okay, that's okay. A lifestyle like, change. Yeah. Like, yeah. like somebody like somebody pinch me. So I, what I did is I took that, I took that concept of the, of that, that style of eating and I packaged it up into what I call seven daily investments because most of my clients are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. or business owners. And I wanted to speak in a way that was like, Hey, you are investing in your health by doing each of these things. So whether that's drinking a gallon of water, moving for 20 minutes, having a really short, but effective AM routine, or, you know, three of the things being breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do you need to, how do you need to invest in your health on a regular basis? That's going to give you the best results possible. So package all that up into seven daily investments that I now, that I give to people. And it's basically like, Hey, here's 20, a 28 day plan that if you can start implementing this, not only are you going to see results, but I believe firmly you'll see momentum and you'll be able to continue doing it. Cause most people sit, seem to take between 21 and 28 days to really start feeling like, okay, this is sustainable. And I got it. So like, I think a lot of like the, the tendency for coaches to write a book and it's like, and the secret is 
click this link and sign up for my program. And I was yeah. like, I don't want yeah. that to be the case. I want someone to be able to pick this book up. And like, if I'm not in fitness in 10 years, I don't, I don't want this to like die with me. You know, I want this to be able to someone to pick this up in 10, 20 years, get great results from it and feel really good and be able to like deliver the energy and the stuff that they get from it to their family, to their community, because I think that's how we're going to raise up leaders. It's, it's through these like individual efforts. So yeah, that's, that's where, that's where it came from. That's what I, that's, that's the mission. I love, I love that, that idea of, yeah. I love the idea of um, telling them that <clears throat> they'll see a certain amount of results, but more importantly, the word momentum. Yeah. Cause I think, I think a lot of people struggle with the whole idea of, you know, it's, it, as I tell my friends, it's easy to walk in a room. It's harder to stay in the room. And momentum is the thing that I think a lot of people confuse because they don't get it. Like how do you, and that's what they really, really want. I just want to get on this train and I don't want the train to stop. So I love the way you frame that as momentum. I was reading winning by Tim Grover recently. And he just like, he, and like for one of his first two chapters, he's just roasting people who talk about like, who are like hype beasts. Who's like, who is like, everything's epic or everyone is legendary. This podcast was so sick, whatever else yeah. he's like yeah. motivation is like eating frosting. He's like, it gives you energy for a time, but then you fall right off. And I was like, I love that. Get him, Tim Grover. That is perfect. Motivation is like eating frosting. That's probably the quote of the day. I've never heard that before, but it's true. I mean, it, it really is about just that consistency and staying with it. You get momentum so that you can continue to move forward with it. And, and I love, um, you know, Nate, how you're talking about this, uh, that you wanted to create something that would last longer than you. Uh, evergreen content, content that's got principles, content that will help people. I mean, that that's never going to change, right? I, I've been... I've been in health and fitness for over uh, 20, almost 25 years at this point, and the Whoa. basics don't really change. Now, we've learned a lot over the years, but like you, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I don't know, but I can say that the basics never change. Uh, I, I know that if you move daily and you pay attention to what you eat and you sleep well and you get sunshine, your life is going to be pretty dang good. Now, how you apply the minutiae is really up to you. I want to go back to what you were talking about with this low carb backloading. This was a concept that uh, I heard you talk about, and I was uh, both fascinated by what you found uh, from an energetic standpoint, but also it made me realize of like, oh, yeah, I have massive energy because I do the same thing. So can you talk a little bit more about what low carb backloading is um, and thank you for coining it. Uh, I, it, it was something that I've been doing for, for quite some time. And then I listened to you. I was like, oh, there's the name. Cool. So tell our listeners a little bit about what low carb backloading is. I mean, at the, at its core, the simplest way to describe it is hold off on eating any carbohydrates until dinner. I think this flies in the face of a lot of different things. I get a lot of pushback. People are like, isn't carbs for dinner? Isn't that the worst thing you can do? Or, you know, people talk about like eat breakfast, like a King lunch, like a Prince dinner, like a right. proper, like, you know, right. kind of having less food as you go throughout the day. But one thing that I thought was so interesting as I was doing this research was that I found out that carbohydrates take about four times as much oxygen to digest. So thereby forcing your body to use more energy when you're digesting them than proteins or fats which is why I think like you get that Chipotle burrito syndrome where you eat a burrito at lunch. And then you're like, I, if you'll excuse me, I'm about to do a little nap under the desk. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, and, and then like what I was finding, like with that, you know, that or intermittent fasting, even where people wouldn't eat breakfast and just have a big lunch 
is that they would take now four hours to do 90 minutes worth of work in the afternoon, checking that mm. to-do list off. Yep. And now you're being ineffective. You're feeling like defeated because you leave and you're like, what did I even do today? And you're late to get home. You feel like you're not showing up and you have like whatever the opposite of momentum is, you know, like st stagnation, a, like a vicious cycle, not a virtuous cycle, I guess. Um, <laughs> and you... Let's just call so, it de-momentum. Yeah, there you yeah, go. There you go. <laughs> we're, we're coining, coining that, that Miles. One. Coining it. Yeah. <laughs> so like, just like, it's a very simple way of making sure that your body is, A, not eating too much. I feel like uh, if you want to do more in your life, eat less. You want to do more, just eat less. Because yep. if you're not digesting food all the time, pulling blood from your extremities and from your brain into your gut, you're going to have more energy for literally the things that you like to do. I think people like we freak out in this country at the, the slightest sign of hunger. When in yes. reality, no one in the U S has been hungry since 1941. We just don't experience it. But yeah. We start feeling like, Oh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. And we lose our goddamn minds because everything that we do is framed towards comfort. And I yeah. think that like the media wants to portray like the big issue in the country is left versus right or conservative versus liberal, whatever, whatever. But I think that the big issue right now is, is this aggressive pursuit of comfort in all things. And I yeah. think that is the thing that is going to single-handedly ruin the United States. I think that if we keep going down this path of Netflix and DoorDash and sitting in couches and sedentary lifestyle and, and just like things that are very easy over, like being kind of like the primary driver of our motivations. Is it easy? Is it simple? Is it comfortable? Is I not going to expend any energy? Then we're going to, we're on like a, we're on a, like a very, very poor trajectory as a nation. But I think that if we can start looking at things and being like, how do we like, it's okay to be a little bit hungry. It's okay to push ourselves a little bit in the gym. It's okay to get cold, uh, take a cold shower or, ch or challenge ourselves in those ways then we can resist the like, the gravitational pull of comfort in our lives. I think I digressed a little bit there. No, no I it's think interesting right you on. said that right because on. when I started, when I started playing with levels of discomfort, whether it was from being hungry slightly or whatever, I, I would sit there and literally say to myself, you can't fucking handle this little bit of discomfort. And mostly when it came to food, you know, when I started playing with, you know, intermittent fasting or just, you know, whatever it was, I would feel the slightest minute minutia of discomfort. And the, the energy was to go get something to fill that, to go eat. And then I would just sit on my bed and say to myself, you can't fucking handle this little bit of discomfort. I get and really I rude that. to myself in those moments. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I think you're right. I mean, that is, we, we have uh, become a fat, lazy society. And I don't necessarily just mean fat in terms of uh, excessive body weight. We are fat in every area. We have so much stuff that is filling up our lives. We have more clothes than we need. We have uh, better cars than are necessary. We have more shit that fits into our homes and our apartments and whatnot than, than we ever are going to use. And we can get the clutter in here too. Oh yes. Digitally, right? The phone. I mean, shit. I remember as a kid, like if you, if you wanted to get a hold of your friend, you had to call him or you had to go run up to the house. And if it wasn't, uh, you know, if he wasn't there, then you say, well, where is he? And then you go find your friends at another person's house. You're like, all right, let's go play basketball. But you know, it, we, we are fat. Everything we have is fat. 
we indulge constantly and we move from one indulgence to the next in every single thing. I know we talked uh, off the air before we started the recording, we wanted to make sure we focus on this concept of doing hard stuff. And I think that when people hear that, immediately they go towards the um, you know, maybe one archetype or another, they might start thinking of Wim Hof and, you know, I got to go jump in a cold lake, or maybe they're thinking of David Goggins and, you know, stay hard motherfucker. And you got to go run a hundred miles a week. And really that's not what it's about. You don't have to do all of those crazy things, but changing your relationship with things that you currently think are hard makes a massive impact in your overall health. Nate, what do you do? I guess let's, I want to, I want to stay with you for a second. And then I want to talk about what you do with your clients. What do you do to push yourself into things that you think are difficult? So I, I love both of those examples of David Goggins and, and Wim Hof, but I feel like for me, it's simply doing things that I don't want to do. So mm. like I last year, a big focus for me was having hard conversations and like, I think that is one of like, one of the defining characteristics of people who are very successful. I think they can have hard conversations yeah. they can do it in a way that is like calm, cool and collected. Right. And so I've seen people do that at a high level. And I'm like, I want to be able to do those things because I hate living in this tension of like, oh, I want to say this, but I can't, and I feel weird, you know, like, no, like, so last year I just tried to like, go at it. Hey man, what you said that bugged me. I didn't like it. And here are all my emotions around that. Like, let's just, let's just talk about it. Let's just have a conversation. And, and it was great. And I loved how I felt afterwards. Cause it felt like I cleared the air and it felt like I had autonomy. I feel like when you don't have hard conversations, you don't have autonomy and you always feel like you're a victim. Yep. So I was like, I kind of got addicted to that sensation. So now what I've been doing is I've been getting up and okay, I'm in, I'm in Arizona. So like, don't, don't at me, Ohio. But I get up in the, in the morning <laughs> and I go outside and I sit outside with my shirt off and I do Wim Hof breathing and it's, nice. it's nice. chilly. It's like 37, you know, it's not, there's no snow on the ground, but I don't want to do that shit. I don't mm. like that. That's not fun for me, but yeah. I do it anyways, because fuck Nate Palmer. And yeah. sometimes that's the attitude I try to bring to this because like, like miles, what you're saying is like, I can't do one little hard thing. Like, no, unacceptable. Go do the thing. I'll start doing jujitsu um, at the recommendation of a buddy of mine. And that's been hard because I'm really good at exercise. And now I get my face smashed by people who are uh, fatter and weaker than me all the time. So I feel like I find myself like driving there and being like, ah, I don't want to do this. But at the every time I leave, I'm like, I feel really good. That was like, that was good. I kind of face that down or, you know, like it's just like little things, because if you just bring that mentality of like, I do hard things, that is my identity. That is who I am. I am, I'm capable of challenging myself and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. So like every single time when I'm, when I'm like in a situation where someone's smashing my face or I'm getting choked out by, by Joe, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna, can I hold on one second? Can I hold on one more second? Can I be, can I, can I be here? Can I push a little harder? Okay. And you know, I'm still tapping out and crying like a little girl sometimes, but that's okay. Cause I feel like every single time I do it, I'm, I'm trying to go a little bit more, try to push myself just a little bit farther. Cause I don't need to be perfect right now. I don't right. need to nail my diet hundred percent. I don't need to be leg pressing a million pounds or like deadlifting, you know, whatever. I just know I need to do a little bit better than I did last time. And that's, okay. and if I can just do that, I know I'll be successful long-term. I love that. It's, it's a combination of things. If I'm hearing you right, it's 
what can you do consistently to put yourself in an uncomfortable position? But then there's also some bigger challenges that you're going after. So last year it was have hard conversations. You're jumping into the jujitsu, which um, these things rock our identities that we put out there for ourselves, right? As you said, like I'm a fitness guy and now I'm getting my ass kicked by a bunch of fat guys uh, on the mat. Um, I want to go back to the hard conversation thing, because I think both of those pieces are extremely important. Do something daily, do something consistently that you don't want to do, because then that changes your relationship with pain, that changes your relationship with fear. But leaning into developing skills in something that is um, not an easy thing, uh, I, I think can help to rewire the brain as well. Talk through a little bit more of leaning into those hard conversations. What did you do to start to lean into that difficulty? Honestly, like it's, it's a switch your brain off type of situation, you know? And I think that like with a lot of people are like, oh, I couldn't make it to the gym. It was hard. I don't want to go, you know, like that. And we start overthinking humans are very rational people. We can imagine a lot of situations. So it's very easy for us to rationalize our way around why we couldn't make it, or oh, I don't know if I'll have enough time or whatever else. So the, the thing that I always try to do, and I don't know if this is, this is smart or not. I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed or whatever, but I just walk over to the person and I put myself in front of them. And then I'm like, well, I'm here now. So I, I get in my car and I drive to the gym. I get in the car and I drive to jujitsu. I open the door and I walk outside and I take my shirt off. And I'm like, well, I'm here now. Nice. And if I can turn my brain off, even for those like a few moments to move myself to the into a situation, I, I always kind of think about it like, I do think fuck Nate Palmer is, is uh, apt and hilarious because like, I think about it from like a third party perspective It's someone like, is like driving me as like a, a remote control car and like motor me over, plops me down. It's like, <laughs> deal with it. I like That's to think awesome. about things like that. It's like you, I just took myself somewhere and I say, okay, figure it out. And what, what now <laughs> son? Yeah. yeah. Deal with this future Nate. I'm like, God damn it. Yeah. Past Nate got me again. <laughs> That's really cool. I love that idea of just kind of throwing yourself into it. Uh, you know, in, in episode 70, we, Miles and my wife and I uh, actually did an episode where we talked about this idea of having difficult conversations and how to develop uh, the skills. Um, and, you know, the methodology that my wife and I use is, is from Marshall Rosenberg called the nonviolent communication. And that was one of those things that we started to practice because at a, at a certain point, we looked at each other and I looked at her and said, look, we've been married over 20 years and we've got a great relationship, but God, we just fucking suck when it comes to addressing uh, and fixing bigger problems. We're, we're dysfunctional in addressing certain things. And, and, you know, you've got your way, I've got my way of doing it, but we both suck and we need to get better at this. And so we started practicing this concept of nonviolent communication and developed our skills over, over the past several years. And it's made all the difference in the world. And that doesn't mean that it's easy right there that just means that it's we never have easy. yeah we just have skills to navigate that better so i love how you just you're talking about leaning into some of these bigger things and the way that you do that is by dropping yourself in and saying all right deal with it because we, we can right i mean there's we might not be perfect at it we might not do it well but that that's part of the beauty of life is how are we screwing up along the way while we figure this out and and really nobody gives a shit Right. So we shouldn't be worried about what they're thinking. Let, let's shift gears for a second, Nate. I want to talk about how do you challenge your clients? So you've already discussed that you have daily practices and then you, you have bigger things that you're going after. But how do you challenge your clients to lean into this difficulty of doing the hard things? 
So there's two main ways that I do this. And the first one is the obvious, right? They go to the gym and work out. And I love the gym. I think there's so many practical applications for like, for, you know, being stronger, but yep. I also think that it has a ton of carryover mentally into what is life, right? You know, like totally. even, even the idea of like getting down and then getting right back up against adversity, putting up like something heavy on your back, you know, yep. like, what do we do when we get knocked down You get back up? Right. And I think that idea is just so like, so integral to to like having a successful mindset. And so if we can ingrain that in people by having them do literally just millions of reps throughout the next decade, like it's just so much, like now it's just like you got knocked down. There's no question. You just get up because that's what you've done a million times. So just practice. I love that. Specifically, I talk to people at the last set or the final, the final set of an exercise. Mm. And I think that this is a, a key component that I just kind of started leaning into in the last two years or so, because previously, like what you were talking about, Steve is like, it's the, all right, it's the optimal workout, right? We're going to do a 10 minutes right. we're gonna foam rolling. Right. We're going to do an activation of the central nervous system. All right. Now we're going to, you know, and there's like a lot of pieces. <laughs> now I focus on one set. You did you that perfect, by one. the way. I absolutely love that. Cause I can, I mean, how many, how many trainers and myself included when I first got into this, cause I was like, okay, we have to do it this way. And it's all got to be optimal. It's like, no, just, People got to move. Sorry. Yeah. You just got to, you just got to get rocking and rolling. Let's just yeah. jump right in. Like you only have 30 minutes, you know, and you're going to go home and sit down for the rest of the day. So let's just, yeah. let's just do this and no foam rolling. Right. A, right. I was a huge into foam rolling and I am over it now. Yeah. It's a waste of time. Anyways, people, I think you're right. But so like what I tell people is like, just get, for, so I do a lot of like reverse, reverse pyramid stuff. So I'll do like 12, 10, eight, 10, something like that. Mm. So I go, okay, well the 12, 10, eight, that's just to get you in the move. So like figure out what the weight you should be using. What should you have for about 10 reps? Keep a couple reps in reserve there. Don't stress too much about it. Make sure it feels good. If it's not feel good, we'll change the exercise. Great. Okay. But the last set of 10. What you're going to do is you're going to find that weight. Maybe it's the weight you use for eight. Maybe it's a little bit like around there somewhere. And what you're going to do is you're going to go all out and we're going to take this to technical failure. So you're not going to like tweak your arm to get there, but you are going to push yourself until that is done. So if I said 10 and you did 28 because you chose the wrong weight, well, good for you. Enjoy those 28 reps, but we do not finish until you are cashed out on that. Love that. And I think that people they have never trained in a way like this before. Cause like I'll have all people who come into the program who are new, they do 30 pounds for 12, 30 pounds for 10, 30 pounds for eight, and then 30 pounds for 10. And I was like, baby girl, like let's, let's chat about that. And so what I try to do is just try to help people understand what their capacity is. And I'm experiencing this in jujitsu because I've always been a nonviolent person. I was the oldest of oldest of three. I have two younger sisters, never hit a girl. And so I never experienced my full capacity for, I'll call it violence. Yeah. Just like aggression yeah. and power, yep. you know? And so I'm trying to figure out what that line is with when it comes to like being with another human and like do, pulling them. And is like, is this too much? I'm, I'm strong. I don't want to hurt you. Like, so learning what that, like what it feels like to express power is so critical. And I think people have never experienced that even in a gym setting. So giving them a safe way to do that on like a lap pull down or a bench press creates this, like this this confidence. Cause they're like, man, I've been doing, th I've been doing 135 pounds for three sets of 10 for the last six years. It's amazing. Now I've got 185 for six and they're all of a sudden their mind is blown as to what is possible. So that's the first way that I try to break people's paradigms and shift them out of the status quo and allow them to actually lean into their own excellence, growth, and heart. The second thing is, um, oh, we talked about intermittent fasting, prolonged fasting. I love. So oh, in a 24 nice. to 48 hour fast, 
there's a lot of reasons I think this is great. Like number one, did you know a 24 hour fast is three and a half times as effective as a 16 hour fast in terms of autophagy and fat burn? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty impactful. A 40, a 48 hour fast is like eight times as effective. So you can get a lot of stuff done in, in just a short amount of time. But going what you said, Miles, like like it's trains your brain to be like, oh, like this, I am hungry. Now what? I'm hungry. Now what? Because the easy thing is to go grab a handful of snacks, right? Do a little trail mix, pick up a piece of candy here, or just go make a meal. That's the easy thing to do. But when we actually confront ourselves with this and we actually throw this in our face, like, hey, you're not eating. And you know what? You're not eating until tomorrow night. Now you just have like, you have to like sit there because it's because mm-hmm. we, so many people mask their feelings and hide their emotions by going and doing the next thing, picking up Instagram or, or grabbing some food. So when you deliberately and forcibly throw someone into an uncomfortable situation and pull away with their crutch, you're just left with yourself, wherever you go, there you are. Right. Yep, yep. So when you, when you have to, now you have to deal with your shit, deal with your food addiction. You have to think about that sort of thing and you have to like work through it. There's a million physiological benefits. Love people. People love to talk about autophagy and all that stuff. But I think the mental side of looking at it and being like, no, I'm not going to eat again today. I'm not going to eat until tomorrow night is really tough and can absolutely shift your mindset. Cause I think abstinence, abstinence is so clutch and, and something we never do. We never abstain. That's why it's weird. Be like, you go to a, a party, people are like, Oh, Steve, you're not drinking. Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, what can I not drink? Is like, is this, can I just not? Cause I don't want to like, why does that have to be an issue? Right. Yeah. Like I tell guys, like, I don't, I don't watch porn. And they're like, what? Like it doesn't compute. Right. Why, like, why as a society, do we have to always be partaking in every one of life's little dopamine hits? Yep. Yeah. You know, and I think that starting off by having some sort of form of, of practice of abstinence, and I think nutrition is a great way to do it because everyone wants to be leaner anyways, it, it forces you to look yourself in the eyes and, and start to understand, Hey, maybe I am a little addicted to food. Maybe I am a little addicted to my phone. Maybe I am a little addicted to porn. Like now you can, now you, now you have the knowledge. And now you can look at those things. And I think that like, there's something really, really clarifying about doing a hard workout or doing a long fast where it can snap you out of this comfort malaise. We just find ourselves in, where we just drift from one snack to the other snack, to looking like a snack to Instagram or whatever else. <laughs> and like, we never have the time or the space to like, wake, wake up, wake up and actually make a decision. You know, it's just, everything's been decided for us by this. And we're just on this conveyor belt. Reminds me of Wally. You seen that movie? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You got to watch that miles. It's just basically like a dystopian future where people, where everyone is just sitting in robotic chairs, getting, getting like, like taken around a spaceship. They're all drinking their colas and just watching ads all day long. That's what they do. I think that's where we're headed. And until you, until you snap out of it and wake up and actually make a decision, like your life will be dictated for you. People will love to decide how you, how you do your shit. I love how you talked about it. It's funny when you said clarity, because that was actually the word that had popped into my head at the same time it was starting to come out of your mouth. Um, you develop clarity when you abstain from other things, because when you are stuck on the phone, when you are stuck with eating food, you're in the habit, uh, or you're doing the same workout, right? The 30 reps at the certain weight that you've done three years ago, you're just, you don't have any clarity because you're just going through a motion that you've never pushed yourself on. 
abstinence forces you to develop a certain amount of clarity that you can't get when you, the abstinence is not there. Because if you strip everything else away, you are literally naked to the world. And uh, as, as one of my mentors used to say, you have to sit in your shit. And when you sit in your shit, you realize that it, it, it does stink. And you might not have paid attention to it. You may be nose blind, but it really does stink. And as soon as you recognize that your shit stinks, then you can say, oh, but what now? What, what am I going to do different? What is it that I can step towards? What am I going to move away from and move into a different direction? And, and Nate, I got to say, I mean, when you're talking about utilizing prolonged fasting as a way to abstain, phenomenal. Yes, there are a ton of physiological benefits, one of which is the ability to allow your digestive system to reset and to calm down, which there's a direct connection for our listeners that don't know this. There's a direct connection between the digestive system and the brain. Um, and we tend to, I mean, the, the gut is by many considered to be the first brain and our second, and the brain in our head is our second brain. And so prolonged fasting gets you back in touch with your body and with your intuition. And so there's a phenomenal, phenomenal benefit from that. Go back a little bit to this concept that you were talking about before of pushing people on that final set. That's something that I've used over the years and absolutely love it. Uh, what are some of the results that you've seen with clients as you have forced them to do that final set to true mechanical failure? Well, I, I mean, obviously I want people to be jacked, right? I, I want people to yeah. be lean. I want them to have muscle. I want them to feel what it feels like to like put on a tank top and be like, hell yeah, I look good yeah. today. Yeah. Um, that's, that's fun, you know, but beyond that, there's like a confidence level that comes with it. And you're like, okay, I'm stronger than I thought. Yeah. And then the second, like the other thing is like, we kind of talked about it with, with, um, sitting your shit is like the awareness. Yeah. Like, you know, that song by, by TLC, uh, don't go Jason waterfalls. Yeah. Yeah. You know I'm talking about, yeah. Don't go Jason water. Like I never wonder who he was going. Yeah. And then I realized it's not Jace. It's go, don't go chasing waterfalls. And that. ever since I learned that I could never hear it the same way again. That's funny. Once you bring awareness to one aspect, you can't go back to being unaware. Yep. So once you realize I can push, I can push like heavier weights on that bench press. You can't just go back to 135 and be like, here I am again. You've something is intrinsically changed inside of you about what you believe about yourself. Yeah. And that's what we need to do is because tactics are great. Momentum is great. You know, discipline over motivation is great. You know, like the, the Jocko stuff, but beyond even discipline, there needs to be identity change because we will never act outside of accordance with our own identity. So when I yes. said earlier, like I'm a person that does hard things, that's something I believe about myself. So when it comes to, when I come to a, a, a choice, hard like hard decision or easy decision, I take the hard decision. Some, sometimes, you know, I won't say all the time, because I know that that's who I am inside. I'm a, I'm a fit, healthy person. If my choice is sit at home and finish Netflix or go to the gym, even though I don't want to, and it's leg day and I can know I got Bulgarian split squats and I hate those. I'm going to do the gym because I'm a healthy person. I know that about myself. That's who I am. So like, that's what the thing I hate about these six week diets or 10 day cleanses. They don't change your identity. Anyone can buckle down and do some shit for two weeks yeah. and see some results. But until you change who you are at your, in your heart, who you believe yourself to be, there is no long-term benefit. And if you're only going to lose 40 pounds and then regain it, might as well just stay there anyways, because it's going to be less of a, a tax on your metabolism. 
Yeah, the identity changes is critical, and and you know making the choice to do hard things. There there is a cultural aspect to this, I believe. Um, I, I think back to when I was in college. Uh, you know, my friends and I were all rock climbers, and we went to uh, you know back in the day. Uh, I know this is like kicking way old school now, but. Uh, we would go see these slideshows and literally these guys would take slides and put them in the little carousel and we'd watch these slideshows of these climbing trips that they went on. And so, um, you know, Todd Skinner, Paul Piana, they, these top climbers at the time were uh, in Utah and they were doing a slideshow of their trip throughout uh, Asia and really opening up uh, Asia for climbing because, you know, people in China, Japan, they, they, they were not rock climbers. And there was one time where they were doing this climb and it was essentially this archway. You know, I mean, people that live in Utah or have been to Arches National Park, imagine something like that, but with enough holds that you could actually climb up under it. And people gathered around and were watching these guys climb. And as Todd told the story, he said that people were sitting here watching us climb and they were asking our, our translator uh, you know, why, why are they doing this? What are they doing? They couldn't figure it out because they'd never seen anything like this in, in, in their life. And so the translator, uh, you know, would ask Todd questions and he said, well, this is a sport. And so the translator would look back at the group and say, well, it's a sport. And they would shake their head and they said, no, it's not. And then, oh, well, it was, um, this is what we do for our profession. No, you don't. Like, and, and nothing made sense. And then finally the translator turned to the group and they, he said something and everybody looked and said, ah, okay. And they nodded their heads and they got it. And so Todd looked at him, the translator and said, what did you tell him? And he said, I told them that you've chosen the harder way because you can mm. get to the top in a different way. But I told them that you, can, you chose the harder way and everybody bowed and they respected and they understood. We don't necessarily choose the harder way as our natural way of life, especially in America these days. And this digging in and finding the harder way, it is an identity piece. So aside from pushing people on their last set, what are you doing to help them form this new identity around challenge and around overcoming difficulty? I think that, I mean, like, that's a really great question. And I don't necessarily think I have like a structured approach to this because I think that you don't do this in like a, like a three, like a three steps to a new identity necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it Agreed. goes back to what we were talking about earlier of like consistency. And, and I always find that about, I don't know, like you've been in the industry for a, for a long time at about like the six to eight week mark, everyone falls off. There's always something happens. Yep. Yep. Something, like they lose motivation, they lose traction, they go on a trip, there's something happens and they hit a plateau, they get stuck, they get frustrated. And I think the that's a critical time in uh, in the like the life cycle of a client to be able to like be there as kind of the guide and show them again like hey, it might take you twice as long. It might take mm -hmm. you five times as long. But in the end, if it did, would it still be worth it? And get their their approval to like kind of buy back in and understand the plateau is part of the journey and it doesn't matter. Yeah. The hardest clients I've ever had are the ones who hit a plateau, get frustrated and go, what's going on? What's my body? Am I in starvation mode? And then they throw in the towel because they are so connected to the, like the individual outcome that they can't see the big picture. Yeah. So if I can help people start understanding, Hey, like, like just because you didn't see the exact results you were hoping to see in your 
fitness in your bank account, whatever else it is, does that, does that mean that the behaviors were not the correct behaviors? And they're like, no, I know I should be doing this. Like, okay, well, I'll see you back here next week. And I think that if people can, can see, get hit with that, with that adversity, they can like, they can land on that part and we're like, oh man, like this looks, this is harder. This is farther. The mountain is higher than I thought it was. And they can still take that next step. That's them creating their own identity. Cause you can't do someone's pushups for them. You know, people hire me all the time, but it's not like I can go do their workouts for them. Right. Yeah. They hired me as yeah. a guy on the side. And I, and I, you, in the same way, you can't create someone's identity. They have to do it. And it has to be created through adversity. It's like yeah. a pendulum. I love it's, that. it's really interesting. It's like a pendulum that swings this way and that's their yep. momentum with you coaching them. And then they hit that proverbial six week plateau and your job is to step in and, and you can at minimum give them pause to keep going. But then they start, a lot of people start to build the momentum in the opposite way. And you hear that when they've taken a day off, which turns to two days off, slip with the nutrition. And now the pendulum is swinging back the other way. And all the momentum that they built this way is now de-escalating. And yeah. it was interesting the way you framed it because you catch them at that point and say, okay, we can pause and let's reassess mentally, psychically. Let's just reassess so that you do not start to slip back there. But oftentimes people slip back going the opposite way with that, that pendulum swing. Gravity pulls them back. Yeah. And we're so stupid when it comes to time, right? I mean, we are, we're so dumb. Because you think mm -hmm. about that client that you're sitting across, maybe they're 30, 40, 50 years old. Well, they're probably not going to die for another 30, 40, 50 years. So who the hell cares? Like that, that's the thing I ask my clients where if, if they say, well, I didn't achieve my goal by this time. Like, so what? So, so it takes you another two weeks. It takes you another two months to get to the lean state that you want it to. Who the hell cares? Like you got the rest of your life. You got, you got another 50 years. If we can, if you can develop the habits that are going to keep you healthy and lean, what the hell? Like, you're not going to look back at you know, 20 years from now and say, Oh, I missed my goal by two weeks. Nobody gives a shit. Why do we give a shit? We're so stupid with that. And also like, I don't think we, we, we are so, we're so head down. We have this such a Western yeah. view of time. It's like, yeah. I'm here right now. I need, I got to have it. I said it. I, I, I got an ad on Amazon and now I'm buying it. Yeah. Right. Like, but we don't understand that like, Hey, this adversity you're facing this plateau you're in, this is going to be this, like a glorious story for you. This is going to inspire someone else around you. The fact that yeah. you've been stuck at the same weight for three months, that is only going to make that your success and your, and your actually hitting your goals, getting your results so much more important and, and inspirational for that one person who's going to need it. So yeah. who are you to deny that one person? And why do you think you get to, you get to take this, like you, you deserve to make a move and like, probably you didn't do everything perfect anyways. So why are you been pointing fingers in the first place? Yeah. Yeah. We got to change our relationship with time. I, um, mm. Nate, I want to talk a little bit more on this, on the carb backloading. I love the concept there. And we, I know we've referenced it earlier. Uh, one of the guys that I used to read a lot of, uh, of his stuff when he was alive was Charles Poliquin. And one of the things I learned from Poliquin was that uh, he had a methodology of eating where, you know, he starts his day with, uh, with proteins and fats. And uh, he liked that know, meat and nut breakfast, didn't he? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and I, I started on that and it changed the way I felt and just lived my life because he always talked about it and say, Hey, this is sets up your neurotransmitters for your brain, right? So you felt you function better. 
And so I started doing that. But then like you, I found that the carbs later on at night helped me to sleep better. I recovered better. Um, I just, I noticed a, a big difference. How, did, how are you structuring that with clients? Uh, because I believe you've got some flexibility in it, right? Um, it, it's not the same cookie cutter plan or program for everybody, but what, what does that look like? Protein shake in the morning or eggs and avocado, so eggs and meat. Um, I tell people about the eggs and eggs and nut breakfast. Very infrequently are they taking me up on it. I'm a sure. big fan of uh, chicken thighs or steak and almonds. I do that. Mm. I do that kind of like uh, a couple times a week and I love it. I always feel so good. But most yeah. people just have a hard time wrapping their mind around chicken thighs for breakfast. Yeah. A little Cholula on that bad boy. It's all right though. Yeah, I think it's great. Then for lunch, then for lunch, either like something, something pretty low key salad or, you know, like hard-boiled eggs, you know, I'll kind of switch off. If I'm having eggs for breakfast, I'll have the protein shake for lunch. If I'm having a, like, if I'm having a protein shake for breakfast, then I'll go, I'll go to Chipotle and just grab like double meat, avocado, cheese, something like that Nice for lunch or have like, I go go to Costco and I grab a bunch of hard-boiled eggs, cut those open, salt and pepper, just make it, just make it easy. And then I've recently been adding in like a piece of fruit because I'm at the point where I have got, you know, like most most of the people I feel like can hit a certain point with insulin resistance where they're not, where they can have an orange or an apple or a low glycemic fruit at lunch and not feel, not feel sluggish or tired or run right. down. So yep. I was kind of worked that into what I consider phase three. And then uh, for dinner, I'm having, I'm having them do like uh, rice or potatoes in the first 28 days, especially rice or potatoes as the carb. I feel like those are both innocuous. Uh, p- potato is the most satiating food in the entire world. And it's delicious. Can we get a little love for potatoes? Amen to the potato. Hash browns, French fries, home fries, baked potatoes. They're just, oh, they're so good. Way to go, Idaho. They just treat us so right. That's right. And then we do a meat and a vegetable for dinner. Okay. Pretty simple. And I like how you talk about keeping it simple with, with the foods that you're um, uh, bringing in, whether you're going to Costco and picking up the hard-boiled eggs or, um, you know, just, just finding some simple tips and simple ways to do it. Simplicity makes it uh, easier for people to stick to. And I, I think when people ask the question of what's the best diet, it's, it's really, what can you stick to more than anything? Right. Um, what are some other simple tips that you, uh, give to your clients in order for them to stick to what their, uh, what their nutrition plan should be? Uh, number one is find, find foods you like, and then eat them a lot. Don't stress about it. Like people think that everything needs to be like, like blue apron where you're shipping in like 16 different sauces and using all the bowls in your house. Like, no, like there's a quote I love by, by Gustave Flaubert who says, be boring and orderly in your life that, so that you may be violent and original in your work. Like Ooh, I love you, that. You're, you might not be passionate about cooking. You might not be passionate about bench pressing, but you probably are passionate about raising your kids or showing up bigger at little league games. Like what are you passionate about? Great. Now eat really boring. One of my core values in my program is master the mundane. And if you can master the mundane, if you can do the same 12 exercises for the next two years and get really strong at them, you're going to be successful. If you eat the same meals every Monday night, you're going to be really successful. So that's, that's like one of the big things. And the second one is batch prep. People like, love to talk about meal prep, but they're doing it all wrong. Meal prep is disgusting. If I have to eat seven day old asparagus, yes. guess what? I'm ordering pizza. Yeah. Miss me with that shit. Yeah. Instead cook 30 chicken thighs 
And then for dinner on Monday night, you have chicken thighs, asparagus, and baked potato. Then on dinner on Tuesday night, you chop those up. You throw them into a frying pan. You do a little tiki masala. You make a rice cooker. That's six minutes out the door. Nice. Now you have chicken. I have that, that. Now you take that chopped chicken on Wednesday night. You chop that up even finer. Now it's in tacos. Now you have three meals that you spend about 45 minutes cooking on Monday and then six minutes the next two nights and your family likes it. Like it's a no brainer and everyone's making that shit so, so hard. So simplify, find some meals you like, and then batch prep it. I love that. Great tips. Great tips. Well, Nate, we're coming close to our time, but a couple more questions that I want to ask you. Um, What is something that you've learned in the last three years that excites you the most? Hmm, That's a good question. I don't necessarily know. Um, Like in terms of like fitness, nutrition, I wouldn't say like I've, I've had like a lot of like groundbreaking ideas in the last like two years. Um, per- personally, what I found is that um, I've, I've like, I've got like a, like a lot of gym guys, you know, we're all just hurt little boys, you know, like holding on to trauma and trying to get big muscles and neck tattoos so that no one can ever hurt us again. So what I've kind of been diving into with that is like accepting who I am, appreciating the path that it's taken me to get here. I know we've all had traumas and and stuff going on in our life, but it doesn't mean that you can't go back in time to that hurt or scared little boy that you once were, that is kind of affecting who you are today and reparent him, walk him through those steps. What did you miss out on? What should, what should that parent figure have done for you that didn't happen in those moments? Cause you got to work through that shit. Otherwise lessons are going to be repeated until learned. Right. And I'm noticing stuff pop up with my daughter, my wife, where I'm getting triggered by these things that are just, that are just scars emotionally on me. And it's not fair for me to bring those into my current relationships. So one thing that I've been trying to work on is like figuring out, Hey, this is really triggering for me. This is causing a massive emotional response. I am really butthurt about this comment. I just got on Instagram. What's up with that and approaching it with curiosity and being like, where's this coming from? Is it, could it be possibly from the time when I was 14 years old and a girl told me that I had smaller arms than her, mm, that could be a big factor of it. All right. What mm. do I need to say to my 14 year old self to help me work through some of that, like that shit that I'm just still carrying with me. I love that. And I think it, that's a message that men in the U S need to hear and they need to apply. I mean, uh, suicide rates in, in America have skyrocketed. I mean, that is the true ec- epidemic. And I think that, uh, you know, men in particular are having a really difficult time understanding how to lean into that difficulty and unravel, um, the, uh, you know, what they, what they've got going on. Well, Nate, um, I sure appreciate you jumping on with us today uh, and and joining us. Uh, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. I want to thank my co-host W. Miles Riley for joining us today, and w. our guest Miles Riley. Yes, <laughs> and our guest Nate Palmer. Nate, uh, what a great conversation! For people to follow what sure you are was. doing, uh, where where's the best people place for people to follow you? You can hit me up on Instagram. I'm pretty active there at low carb hustle. It's the same name as the podcast. So if you want to hear a weird dude talk about fitness and nutrition for a while, that's a good spot to do it. Or if you want to check out the book, it's just go to getnatesbook.com. Like I said, the mission is to spread the message, not necessarily to make a ton of money off of Amazon. Although if you want the audible version of the hardback, it is on Amazon. So pay me $3. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Well, Nate Palmer, what an honor it's been to have you on. And uh, hey, folks, uh, it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. And evolve. And evolve. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, and if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.